It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down, break it all down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. That's right, a special third hour of the bottom line today. Here on News Radio 610 KONA, brought to you by Perfection Tire in the Tri Cities. Ed Dawson, Rob Francis in Olympia for the Tri Cities Legislative Day at the State Capitol. And we've got more guests, and we're going to uh, head back to the 8th Legislative District. And uh, Senator Sharon Brown, uh, Rob, uh, got two more hours. We got two hours in the books, we got one more to go. I was going to say, you almost said two more hours. I was like, wait, somebody, somebody didn't let me know we're going until 7 tonight? No, 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 just one more hour to go. Senator Sharon Brown from the 8th Legislative District joining us. Senator, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Huge shout-out to KONA for doing this here today. I mean, you could really catch the energy of what's going on in Olympia and to uh, Perfection Tire if they're the ones, you know, taking care of our ability to be able to do this. Thank you. It's great to have you guys here today. So you've had a pretty good day today. It's been a day. Yeah, it's been, a it's, day. It's, it's been an interesting day, that's for sure. Three bills moving forward, all dealing with energy. Let's start with 6430 because there, there was an amendment by the committee that came into this bill. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about what, it's, what, what the aim of the bill is and then what was it that was, that, that was amended to, to, to allow passage. So you're talking about the blockchain bill. The, there, um, this would bring... Uh, It'd be uh, waste byproducts. Oh, yeah. This yes. is industrial symbiosis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... See, when you have a lot of them passing, you get confused. <laughs> I even made a list, and I forgot to open my phone. <laughs> so, yeah, industrial symbiosis. This is a great concept, but it requires a lot of advanced planning. So industrial symbiosis is actually the intentional co-location of companies so that one company can use the byproduct of another company and it just continues right in like a, a ring. So you need the intentional co-location of, of uh, companies whose manufacturing uh, products can be used down the line. And we actually do a little bit of this in Kennewick because at Columbia Gardens, they did a pre-treatment waste plant for the uh, wine refuse that was coming off and so they're pre-treating it before it hits the sewer, so uh, before it hits the where they further clean it up. And so this would be a um, bill that directs the Department of Commerce uh, to continue studying the issue and to pick certain projects or actually um, have kind of like a bidding process for certain projects across the state so that we can intentionally co-locate these companies so that we can minimize waste. So what was the amendment to the bill, do you call Ah, uh, you got to ask that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there is a longstanding tradition in the Senate whereby when we have work groups established, the leaders of both caucuses traditionally choose who gets to be on the work group. Our current lieutenant governor would, wants to have the ability to make those appointments. Our stance is that we want to continue with a longstanding tradition in the Senate because we firmly believe that the leaders of each caucus and the leaders in the House understand their members and the subject matter expertise that the members bring to the table. So we have had an occasion where um, certain members have been appointed to committees 
where there wasn't a good fit. And so if you keep the ability to make that appointment within the leader's uh, domain, they are going to pick people that are going to do really great things on those task force. Well, because they know their members. They know their they know where their strengths are. They know where their weaknesses are. The lieutenant governor, to me, the first thought would come to my mind would be this is this is something to use as a, a political tool, not necessarily for the best interest of the work group. And that would be unfortunate if this bill, which is a hugely bipartisan bill, and we have worked very hard to uh, work with the other side, address some of their concerns, it'd be really unfortunate for this to get caught up as a political football for that purpose. I'm just shaking my head, Ed. Keep shaking. Uh, I'm just, shaking, I, I'm you just know. shaking my head. Because it's, it's, uh, it sounds, again, and unfortunately it sounds like something that the guy without the word lieutenant in front of his name does as well. And when he doesn't get his way or he wants to assert his authority, he will turn around and say, well, I want to be a six-year-old in the corner, and until you give me what I want, I'm going to be a six-year-old in the corner. And it's really unfortunate because I'm elected to come here and do policy. And when you start to play around with bills like this because of a political issue, it takes away from the functioning of what we're supposed to be doing here. And that is so irritating to me because, you know what, that gets back to what happens in Washington, D.C. And I've always prided myself that in Olympia we actually get stuff done. Now, a couple of the other bills that made it through today, we, we talked a little bit when we had you on last time about the blockchain bill. And uh, this, move, this moving forward is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it really is. This is groundbreaking for the state of Washington. You know, blockchain is a technology that's actually developed here in the state of Washington, yet as we've discussed on your show before, we hadn't really um, embraced the technology with regard to the state acknowledging that it's a valid form of technology. So this takes um, uh, that concept and expands on it further and it's really exciting and we've been tweeted out by GeekWire across the U.S. because as we do so many groundbreaking things here in the state of Washington, let's continue. Let's keep these software developers that are doing this good work here in the state of Washington. You know, the other thing, too, I think with this that's it's interesting, and, and we spoke with Representative Banking the last hour about his uh, bill that, that he gave you and uh, Representative Clippert uh, credit for helping move forward with the, as far as the Space Academy and everything else. This is another piece of legislation that we look at what we have in the state of Washington, we look at, at what we have something that we can build on, and we could turn around and be a leader nationwide in something like this. We have the human capital, particularly in the Tri-Cities, and it's really, you know, we talk about the silver tsunami, and actually we've got people that are leaving the state for better opportunities elsewhere. Let's keep people in the Tri-Cities. Let's keep people in the state of Washington. I have another bill that actually moved out of Senate Ways and Means uh, this past week, um, which is called Dynamic Fiscal Notes, because the state has not been very receptive to funding any kind of economic development projects. I've had several pieces of legislation in the past, and they've all landed with just a thud. Nobody seemed to really want to fund those. If we look at the way that we fund certain things and we're able to take in the dynamic impact of that as opposed to what we do right now, we'll have a much more accurate determination of the revenues that are going to come back to the state. You know, it would, it would be very interesting to see a study done on the return on investment and in, in what we have done with, with taxpayer dollars because just off the top of my head, and I know and, and we talked with, with a few lawmakers earlier, regarding increasing taxes 
to deal with homelessness, increasing taxes to deal with this. Well, the amount of money that we're spending on these things, where where are we seeing ground gained? And so, how? I mean, we keep raising taxes. We keep seeing bills coming forward, hitting businesses, hitting people, hitting the pumps, hitting everything else. We're, we're, we're taking more money, but where are we putting it to show that we're getting something out of it? That's why, man, oh, man, I'm lobbying hard and fast for dynamic fiscal notes because across the board it will unravel that story. And that's what I say about homeless. You know, we spent almost $2 billion an annum on, on homeless housing or homeless issues. And where is that money being spent? I'd like to have some accountability because we want to provide appropriate resources for our homeless people. And if we're putting significant amount of resources into the budget already and it's not yielding the results, we need to do a lessons learned and find out where is it that we should be putting the money. And where is the money gone that we spent? Yeah, thank you. If we had dynamic fiscal notes, the agencies would be required to report back to us and tell us. You do realize they do not want this. They do not want this at all. Uh, no, they don't. No, and that's part of the frustration as a budget writer to have the agencies constantly just buck the system. There's no accountability there at all. Senator Sharon Brown, thank you for your time. We appreciate it and certainly wish the best of luck. Um, because we need to find out what's happening with our money. Yeah, and we absolutely. need we need accountability for it, so please keep absolutely. fighting that fight. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, you guys. It's awesome. It's a pleasure always. Senator Sharon Brown, 8th Legislative District, joining us coming up. We're going to talk with Representative Bill Jenkins from the 16th Legislative District. We still have Representative Jeremy Dufault on deck. And then we will wrap things up with the world's oldest Eagle Scout, Representative Brad Clifford from the 8th Legislative District. And more of the special three hour bottom line here on News Radio 610 KONA after this. The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now, 509 547 1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Special three hour bottom line. The state capitol in Olympia, Ed Dawson, Rob Francis, and joining us now in the program, 16th Legislative District Representative Bill Jenkin from Prosser. And uh, Rob, uh, Representative Jenkins has been on the program a lot of times. He's an old pro at this now. Yeah, I think he's used to this by now. He's, 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 he's actually smiling when he's sitting in the chair with the microphone. That's very good. Well, thank thank you, Ed. It's it's great to be on again with you and Rob. You you guys are great, and it's 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 so nice to see Rob over here at the Capitol and getting introduced at the at caucus. And, and he was wearing a suit. Can you believe that? <laughs> it only happened if there were pictures involved. So we'll have to see if that happened. Well, by the way, those pictures have been stuffed in a Manila envelope and put in Al Capone safe. So. Very good. Nobody's going to find him, but it was it was funny because at the at the caucus this morning, just real quick story. Representative Jacob was standing up there with me, and uh, uh, Representative Schmick, who was on earlier, was sitting over on the side. And somebody looked over and said, "Did you have a question, Representative Schmick?" And he's like, "No, I just wanted to let you guys know these guys are great. These guys are great." And so we 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 appreciated that very much. It was it was a very warm reception, and thanks to everybody in the caucus for making us feel welcome here in Olympia. It was it was very very nice. Uh, and everybody here at Olympia who has made us feel welcome. John Sackgas has been a tremendous host, and uh, we definitely will be doing this again, Ed. This has just been fantastic. Very good. Well, let's see uh, Let's see what's on uh, Representative Jenkins' mind today. Well, Representative
Representative Jenkin came in and said, by the way, there's a, there's, there's a bill that uh, we were talking about earlier today that, uh, well, we took a vote on, and that has to do with sports gaming. So there's a couple bills out there, Representative Jenkin, dealing with sports gaming, which was the one that, that was voted on today, and talk to us a little bit about the outcome. This was the tribal uh, bill. There's also the Maverick Gaming Bill. The Maverick Gaming Bill, I, I personally, I like a whole lot more, but I don't know if we're going to be seeing that in the House. Hopefully it will get through the Senate so that we can get another stab at it. I voted no on the tribal bill, and it's nothing against the tribes. It's just that this bill didn't go far enough. It didn't help the 16th District very much because the 16th District is concerned, especially up in the Dayton and Waitsburg area, is concerned about the, their horse racing and try, trying to, to make that to where where that they they can do it to to basically it's a community thread it's Dayton days and in Waitsburg they they've got their horse racing going there too and problem is it costs fifty sixty thousand dollars for the L and I insurance for the jockeys and it's not affordable to do so therefore the communities suffer same thing going on in Kennewick the Kennewick Kennewick is able to still do it they almost had their their they're, they're, the rug pulled out from underneath them, too. I understand that there is going to be money coming to allow them to run this next year uh, from a source in Oregon. Um, so so I, I really want them included on this so that they can sustain themselves, and it wasn't. And also there's a real problem on on the tribal bill where where, where the card rooms are, are left out of it, and there's they're, they're a, a, a fantastic source of revenue and and uh, if if they you know inevitably if if the sports gaming it just goes to the tribes they're going to be be left out of it. Well, not just that, Representative Jenkins. I mean, yes, we're talking about one gambling entity that pays tax revenue versus another gambling entity that doesn't pay tax revenue. We're also talking about jobs. We're talking about thousands of jobs that will be lost if the card rooms aren't included in any kind of a sports gambling bill. They they, they wouldn't be able to survive. They would not be able to survive. There would be zero need to go to a card room, be it in Pasco or be it in Walla Walla or be it in any other area in the state of Washington because you will now have everything with the tribal casinos, and eventually it will just dry up. And I'm sorry. You, 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 for a state, and I've said this before and I will say it again, for a state that every time you turn around is trying to take your last dime and take 70% of it to to basically – put out of business a stream of revenue is counter everything they've done the last five years. Well, we're getting used to it, aren't we? Um, the, and, and that's a problem because, because they're already at risk, especially in, in Pasco, because, because of, uh, you know, the, the Colville tribe and, and, and what, what they're, uh, which, which, you know, the, the the tribes bought the land and they 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 want to do something with it, but everybody knows that most likely it'll be a casino. So of course they're very concerned about that because again the tax revenue they 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 won't receive that anymore the the area and, and they'll get it off the hotel, but they won't get it off the casino. Correct, correct, and so so we've there's there's a lot of work to be done there on on the on this tribal bill. I was surprised that there was only two no's. Um, uh, Representative Vic and I were the no's in committee, and there was, uh, other than that, there, there was, it was eight to two. We have 11 members. Our ranking member uh, had a death in the family, so he wasn't there. So the vote was eight to two, so that's a pretty favorable vote. 
Um, and the tribes have a lot of influence in this state. And, and, uh, Wait, they're we, sovereign nations, aren't they? That's, that's correct. And, and I worked very hard in, in my district um, with the tribes and, and uh, you know, the Umatilla. And they do a fantastic job. I, I, I don't want them to think that, that I'm against them on this, but, but I just think that it's what's best for the district. And that's why I took that vote. Well, and the other part of it, too, is, I mean, let's be honest, it, it becomes a monopoly. Right. It becomes a monopoly. Yes. And, and so you, know, you now have, you have the Supreme Court that puts out this decision that opens up a wide swath of ability for states to, look, people gamble, there's a tax on it, so it gives you an opportunity for an additional revenue stream. If it, if it just goes to tribal casinos, you're eventually talking about a monopoly in the industry because there will be no other casinos existing in the state outside of those on tribal land. And if I understand monopolies correctly, it's not the fact that you name it something different. It's the fact that it's all encompassed under one element, and it's all under tribal land. So you, you would be looking at monopoly in this regard. No, you're right on on that, uh, Rob, and and uh, that's what we're up against. And and I I don't think everybody feels the same way. Well, that was obvious in the vote that was taken today. It was obvious in the vote taken last night about a low carbon fuel standard too. Oh, Not everybody man. feels the same way. Oh, don't get me started on that one. It, you know, <laughs> that, that that's horrible. That it's just horrible. And, and and but that's what we're up against. There's we, our caucus is is really up for about three different fights. Um, we don't know which ones yet, but it sounds like there's going to be uh, three bad bills that we consider bad bills. Of course, the other side of the aisle don't consider them bad bills. But as far as the the, the, the carbon bill, every, not every one of us spoke, but but I would say at least two thirds of us did. Uh, my speech had to do with with uh, the consequences to to municipalities in what about the cities what about what about the counties what about the port districts when they're when they're out and and in their vehicles and having to buy gas and and everything else they're they're going to be impacted by this and 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 the dollars it's going to cost them more dollars and so again to me it's another unfunded mandate and and that's what's going on there's there's so much pressure on 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 the counties and cities in particular, with unfunded mandates. And here's another one. So who's going to pay for it? The person who's going to pay for it is going to be us, the citizens. And, and, and then, so, so, and that'll be through another tax. So now, it, to me, like I said on the floor, it's like double jeopardy because we're having to pay for it in our own, in our own world, and then we're having to pay an extra tax on top of it. Representative Bill Jenkins, I'm going to let you catch your breath, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16th Legislative District. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on the program, sir, and keep fighting a good fight. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it. Take care, Ed. Will do, Representative Jenkins. And uh, as we head to our uh, commercial break on this special three-hour Tri-Cities Legislative Day version of the bottom line at the state capitol in Olympia, I want to let you know that it's uh, brought to you by Perfection Tire of the Tri-Cities. And we still have another half hour to go on deck. uh, The SELA representative, Jeremy Dufault from the 15th Legislative District. And then we'll wrap things up uh, with uh, Representative Brad Clippert from uh, the 8th District in Kennewick. You're listening to The Bottom Line on News Radio 610 KONA. 
it in by phone, give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed, presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610-KONA. This is a special three-hour bottom line. The Tri-Cities Legislative Day in Olympia at the state capitol. Skyview Law, the leaders in family law in the Tri-Cities with over 10 years of experience. Don't try to handle a divorce involving children and assets on your own. Let Jared and his team work with you to achieve the best possible outcome. Find out how you can get a free case review and consultation. Office is located at 677 George Washington Way in Richland. The website, skyviewlaw.com. As we uh, head back to Olympia at the state capitol, Rob uh, standing by and standing by with uh, a member of the 15th Legislative District, uh, Representative Jeremy, Jeremy Dufault. And we haven't talked with anybody from the 15th yet, Rob, so glad we were able to uh, represent that part of our listening audience. Yep, when you got 33 counties in Washington and Oregon, you try and get as many as possible. Glad to get Representative Dufault from the 15th here uh, today. Thank you for your time, Representative Dufault. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Rob. It's great to be here. Appreciate what you're doing coming over here to Olympia. See us in the middle of the fray and, and giving us a little bit of an opportunity to communicate with our folks back home and the beautiful 15th Legislative District. That's right. Now, the committees you're on, judiciary, business, you've had your hands full. Um, when we're talking about the battle to uphold the Second Amendment, you're right in the midst of it in the Judiciary Committee. And we know this is the second session in a row. There have been multiple gun control bills put out there. It seems like it's a dart. Let's throw it. If it sticks in the wall, great. If we miss the target, eh, we'll try and come up with another one. Prime example to me, background checks for ammunition. Really? What the heck is that going to solve? Absolutely. It has been one after another. They just keep coming. I think we'll have a couple more in t- tomorrow's committee meeting. Everything from banning high-capacity magazines to background checks for ammunition, for from requiring training to get a concealed pistol license. And what a lot of people lose sight of, and I think particularly in this body, is that we all swore an oath to uphold not only the U.S. Constitution, but the Washington State Constitution, which very clearly and emphatically says in Article 1, Section 24, that the rights of the individuals to defend itself or the state shall not be impaired. And that is a very high standard. And all of the bills that we're hearing that are gun-grabbing bills will impair our rights as law-abiding citizens to be responsible gun owners and bear arms in defense of ourselves and in defense of our state And as a military veteran who has been trained to use firearms and like a lot of the law enforcement officers who are out there, these are the folks who we want in our communities helping, helping to keep us safe and helping to protect their families and their communities and their churches and their schools. And instead, we're going the other direction. And uh, as a state, it's it's really, really sad to see. And I'm, I'm hopeful that someday it'll turn around. But we are definitely under siege in the Second Amendment and the Washington State Constitution are under siege. Now, Representative Dufault, we know that 1639 is under a court challenge. It was the initiative that went through last year that really put a not only restrictions on gun rights, but also in some aspects, well, many aspects, went completely and totally overboard, uh, HIPAA violations in that bill, all kinds of things when it comes to government agencies getting access to medical records and things like that. And knowing that this this probably is going to be in the courts for a while. Have you seen bills that have come across uh, that have tried to address some of the things that are in 1639 and take it in another direction? 
there have been a lot of bills that have been introduced, and I've introduced some of those as well. Unfortunately, with the numbers the way they are between uh, the Republicans and the Democrats, none of them are getting a hearing. There is one bill that has a little bit of, a, of an uptick to it, but even that one uh, has, has an issue, and that's the one that would create the single the single uh, back, single point of contact background check system, because right now those folks in the community who are out there purchasing weapons, it, there's a significant delay that's, that's occurring because of the split and the federal government and the FBI not doing the background checks the way that they used to. And so to create that single point of, of, of contact background check system so the Washington State Patrol can process these background checks and we can get our firearms same day, um, that's something that's really important. But there's a problem. Right now, there's a fee that's attached to that $18 fee. And it's so ironic because in Washington state, just last year, the legislature was outraged because people had to pay 55 cents to mail in their ballot to exercise their constitutional right to vote. Called it a poll tax. I disagreed with that. I voted against it. But here we have an $18 fee that's required for you as an American, as a resident of Washington state, to exercise a constitutional right. But an $18 fee is okay. It makes no sense. The hypocrisy is, is, is astounding, and yet that's what passes for common sense in Olympia these days. Well, but the, the two gentlemen that, that committed the incident in Seattle, I, I, I don't think they went through a background check. I that's think right. It didn't stop them from getting a gun. That's it? right. They probably got it out of the trunk of a car somewhere. That's right. Bad guys don't go through background checks, do they, Rob? No, they don't, Representative Dufault. In fact, ba- in fact, bad guys really don't pay too much attention to the law in the first place, yes. which would be why they're criminals. So here's why I, I asked Representative Wilcox this before. I'm going to ask you this question as well. It, it seems that we've got this disconnect to where we the, the other side of the aisle thinks the only way to deal with, with increased violent situations is to go the gun control route. Why can't we go increasing the minimum sentencing guideline route? Why can't we do something in a regard to actually punish the criminal instead of punishing the law-abiding citizen? Because you know full well, living in SELA, they're tired of getting punished as a law-abiding citizen, getting more of their rights taken away, while the people that don't pay attention to the rights don't even go to jail. Absolutely, and, 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 it, and it's, it's shocking because it's not like people don't realize this. It's not like it's n- not in the news. I mean, we had that incident in Texas where we had someone try to go into a church and shoot it up, and because there were responsible gun owners, because there were law-abiding citizens exercising their constitutional rights, that incident was minimized. It was still tragic, but it could have been so much worse. And, and you think, why, why would we expand these gun-free zones. Why would we do things like that? Because the only people who follow those rules are the responsible people, are the law-abiding citizens. If a criminal, a criminal is not going to be deterred by a sign that says a gun-free zone, and, and, and it really just doesn't make any sense. Do you think someone on the other side of the aisle would vote to increase minimums on violent offenders? I don't know. I don't know if they would. And, and that's the problem. That's where we're at. That split in perspective, because there's a lot of movement in the legislature, and, and there was last year as well, to, to go the opposite direction, to remove personal responsibility, to remove accountability from individuals for the acts that they take. And that's what we need to be focusing on, in my opinion. We need to be focusing on the actor. We need to be focusing on the action, not inanimate objects that by themselves don't do anything. Well, and the other end is the more the personal responsibility that we take away, the more we encourage the bad action. Absolutely right, Rob. 
it's, it's unfortunate. So what are some of the things as we, we have a couple minutes left with you here in this special session of the bottom line? Uh, Representative Jeremy Dufault from the 15th Legislative District, uh, what's one piece of legislation you've been working on that you're, you're starting to see move forward? Well, there's one thing that's very specific to the 15th Legislative District. We had a big hospital closure in Yakima County, Estrella, Yakima Medical Center closed down quite suddenly. Management didn't give any notice. All of a sudden it was closed, and we had 450 people put out of work. We had medical providers leaving the area. We lost some of our capacity to provide that care. And I just had a hearing today in the Appropriations Committee to improve the reimbursement rate for one of our other hospitals, a Toppenish Hospital, because we can't, we can't lose a second hospital in the same year in Yakima County. And so that's one piece that, of legislation that, of mine that's moving. Most of the other ones are not because they are taking a position that is anti-tax, that is, that is pro-Second Amendment, and, and that's not what uh, folks on the other side are interested in working on this year, unfortunately. So how do we get, how do we, how do we get the word to those that are around King County? Because we know not everybody on the west side of the state is, is in lockstep. It's not one big Stepford family once you get to the other side of the mountains. There are conservatives, there are Republicans that are on the west side of the state. How do we get, how do we penetrate this, this barrier that is King County? That's a great question, Robin. I don't even think we need conservatives and Republicans as much as I love them because I am one. I think you can just talk to middle-of-the-road folks and even some Democrats. They're tired of their property taxes going up. I just saw an article today in Snohomish County, property taxes up 32 percent, and people are going to start seeing that all around the state, and I think they're going to push back. I'm, I'm confident that they will because what happens in Olympia, people are busy with their lives, they're busy with their families, they're busy with their churches, but all of a sudden you get a property tax statement and you think, what has the legislature been doing? There's four different taxes that have been layered on in the dark of night in the last year and a half, and that's when people get upset, and that's when they start to come out and engage. And I think that, I think that day is ahead of us, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that battle. Glad to have you, Representative Dufault. Thank you for your time today, and uh, appreciate it. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, Rob. Glad to be here. Appreciate what you're doing. Take, uh, take it back to you, Ed. And we've got uh, – this has been a marathon, but I'll tell you what, it's felt more like a sprint than a marathon. We've got one more big interview to go, and we're going to wind things up in back in the 8th Legislative District. That's right. We'll have uh, in studio in Olympia at the State Capitol, Representative Brad Clippert from the 8th Legislative District. This is our special three-hour bottom line, Tri-Cities Legislative Day at the State Capitol in Olympia. Back to wrap things up after this. Now back to the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. This is the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Final segment of our special three-hour edition of the uh, Tri-Cities Legislative Day at the Capitol at Dawson, Rob Francis. And Rob, uh, we saved the best for last in, in many respects, have we not? We very much have. He is, uh, he is, uh, we are proud to have uh, the world's oldest Eagle Scout as one of our representatives of the 8th District. Representative Brad Clippert going to help us take it out today. And uh, personally, I have to say thank you. Um, 
because as, as, as many times as we enjoyed having you on our turf, thank you for making me so welcome on yours. Um, I very much appreciated the, uh, the introduction um, that you gave me on the caucus. It, it meant a lot, and uh, I, I want to say thank you very much for that. It was, it was very appreciative. And uh, I don't know if the listeners heard yet today, we got Rob Francis on video today with me on a legislative update. So if you've never seen a legislative update, um, check out Brad Clippersnet's legislative update, and you'll see that shared right there with the man with the face for the camera, Rob Francis. And, Ed, we just want to let you know that we miss you here in Olympia. Wish you were here with us, but we're glad you're back home taking care of business there in Pasco. Well, appreciate it. Let's talk about some of the business that you're taking care of there at the Capitol. Let's do it. So it's it's been an interesting couple days. There's no question about that. You gave a very impassioned speech last night regarding the low-carbon fuel standard. Um, I think it, it's, it certainly hit many. I think it hit enough that there were five defectors, even though it wasn't enough to cause the bill to fail. There were five from the other side of the aisle who at least raised an eyebrow and decided to vote with Republicans against this bill. Yeah, and what I tried to do last night, was simply share with the, the House that the stories that we are hearing from citizens back home, stories we are hearing from the citizens back home of how this will impact them personally in their lives and in their businesses. And so that's I uh, shared some of those stories. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, back there in the Tri-Cities, you know, southeastern Washington, uh, northeastern Oregon, um, we are here fighting for you and fighting for your lives, your businesses, because uh, we listen to you and we're being your voice here in Olympia to the very, very best of our ability. You know, and, and on the heels of that, Representative Clippert, I want to read an email that we received from Dean who's in Kennewick. said, thank you for today's program. It's great to hear what our elected representatives are doing. Too many of our candidates talk about a lot of things without following through, and it's nice to hear about those who actually follow through. And you know, Representative Clipper, this brings up uh, uh, an interesting point, and the only reason why I say that is because the vote may not go in your favor does not mean you're not following through. It doesn't mean the fight's not being fought. It doesn't mean that the effort is not out there to try and represent the will of the voters that you that, that elected you to this position. You you sometimes the odds are a little bit more than what you can do. Um, and, in fact, why don't we turn around, Ed, we're going to share um, Representative Clippert's speech last night on the low-carbon fuel standard so you could hear exactly what he had to say on the House floor regarding this this just travesty of a bill. So, you know, but but just for, for a second, Representative Clippert, you know, again, as we said, the fight's being fought. Sometimes the odds are a little more insurmountable, but you're still – honoring your promise to the voters to fight the fight for them. And, and, and heavy on the them, to fight the fight for them. Um, you know, at the risk of sounding arrogant or something, um, Brad Clippert is not here for Brad Clippert. Brad Clippert is here for the citizens he represents. Every time I run for office, I tell everybody this is who I am, this is what I believe in, this is what I stand for, and if you elect me, that's exactly who I'll be, and that's exactly what I'll do, and that's, that's what happens. Let's Washington run. State's carbon emissions represent one-third of one percent of all the carbon produced in the world. And we're going to harm economically so much the citizens of Washington State for one-third of one percent? Exactly, one-third of one percent in a state that already 
leads the rest of the United States when it comes to low-carbon emissions. It's not about, and, and we go back to this over and over again, sir, this is not about lowering carbon emissions. This is about taking people's money. Exactly. And, and one of the facts that I um, wanted to share with the body last night, but I ran out of time because we are time-limited, um, is that I went to some people uh, to a meeting because I don't care if I believe uh, the same beliefs you believe. If you invite me to one of your meetings, even if I disagree with you, to the very best of my ability, I'm going to come and listen to your side of the topic. And so there are some people who, in, in the Tri-Cities who definitely feel about cl- uh, climate change, we need to do something about it. So I went to one of their meetings, and one of the speakers there, it just really shocked me. I'd, I'd never heard it before. He said, and I quote, because I wrote it down, even if we act today with all of the things that would need to be done for carbon emission standards, if we act today, we will not see the results of that action, those actions for 100 years. And I said to myself when I heard that, what? 100 years, what we do today is that we're not going to see the impact of that for 100 years. How much is technology changes are going to take place between now and 100 years? And I truly care about what happens to my great-grandchildren. But that's just, wow. There's just too much, too many damaging, unintended consequences that would take place with this low-carbon fuel standard to do that plan. Well, I just am not going to stand, stand here and, and take it without a fight. I, I would have, I guess I would have turned around and said, so prove it. How can you prove to me that that is the case? At 100? Show me your science that it will take 100 years. And, and the thing is, when you when you stand on the soapbox of doom and gloom and, and you're you're giving Armageddon esque projections, you have no science to stand on. You have nothing to stand on other than trying to get people to who, who don't know much about the topic to be afraid. And all we have seen with these climate control bills and all we have seen with these these in, these intended low carbon standards, everything's involved with a tax. I've yet to see a tax, Representative Clipper, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've yet to see a tax reduce the climate one degree in temperature. Absolutely, part, uh, positively, and that was another one of the statements on the floor, is you're just trying to tax us out of our cars. And so, you know, and then another thing that I would say is you talked about show me the science. Exactly, show me the science, because when you look up the definition of the scientific process, You have to be able to prove it as a fact. You've got to be able to prove it in the laboratory under the same conditions over and over again for it to uh, be a fact. So it's a theory that they're operating on. It's not a fact because you can't reproduce it in the laboratory. You cannot take the Earth's atmosphere, put it in a laboratory, and do this with these changes that they propose over and over again and show positive results. So it's a theory, and I'm not willing to risk that much on a theory. Representative Brad Clippert, 8th Legislative District. Appreciate your time, always. Uh, I just want to ask you about one more bill, House Bill 2829, the one that would declare climate change a state of emergency and give governor the control over the uh, energy grid. That's not going to happen, right? I hope and pray not. Um, Yeah, that's, once again, way, way, way too risky. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, you and I know Free enterprise, free market capitalism is what made Americans great. Hard-working Americans is what made this country great. Not putting our lives in the hands of government. And to declare that an emergency and put all that in the governor's hands, scary stuff. Can't happen. Must fight against it. Representative Clippert, 8th Legislative District, thanks for your time today, sir. Appreciate your service. Thank you very much. You're going to take it home, Edward. 
Well, Rob, uh, a yeoman's job uh, today with uh, all of our guests. It, it did go by very quickly, did it not? Oh, it went by incredibly quickly. And don't sell yourself short, sir. You are a you are an admiral, not a yeoman. <laughs> Rob Francis at the state capitol in Olympia. Three hours of your legislative representatives here on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA special Tri-Cities legislative day. Wrapping things up thanks to Perfection Tire in the Tri-Cities. Coming up. ABC News and more here on News Radio 610 KONA.